The reading today is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 2, starting at verse 14. That will be found on 1093, page 1093 in the Church Bibles. And from verse 14, we're looking at the point where Peter addresses the crowd. And of course, by this time, the disciples, the apostles, had been filled with the Holy Spirit and were commencing to do many wondrous things, including talking in many languages. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. 
God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Thanks be to God. Um, I want to try this morning just to explain a few essentials uh, about the Holy Spirit. Um, first thing to say is that it's not um, what is the Holy Spirit, it's who is the Holy Spirit. So uh, that's what I've entitled my short talk this morning. Because he's a real person. He's God. And he's one of the three persons of God, probably I think it's safe to say the most difficult person to understand. Uh, we understand the concepts of a father, we understand the concepts of a son, but the Holy Spirit, it's a bit more difficult. It's even to the point maybe of us feeling a bit scared. So I want to try and answer three questions um, in what is a huge subject and a very deep theological subject, and I won't pretend to be able to be really deep and theological about it, but I want to answer the questions, who is he, uh, what is he like, and what does he do? So in the story of Pentecost today, we've seen the answers to all of these questions. So I'm going to try and refer quickly back to the passage in answer to each of these questions. Who is he? Well, we've seen that he's the one who was promised by Jesus. And he came to reside, to live inside Jesus' followers. Um, Jesus told his disciples, I will ask the Father and he will give to you another helper, that he may be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So that's Jesus saying that he, by his spirit, God, by his spirit, will come to them. So the story we're looking at today is the fulfilment of the promise that Jesus made to the disciples while he was with them and before he ascended to heaven. Question two, what is he like? Well, we've said that he's God, and therefore he's got all of the godly and the holy characteristics of God. But we've been seeing this morning how he came in two different types of ways to demonstrate what he's like. Because rather than being an invisible, impersonal force, it's helpful for us to, because he is invisible, um, he's not impersonal, but it's helpful for us to have uh, symbols and pictures, if you like, of, as to what he's actually like. So he came, how did he come? Who can remember? Anyone? 
wind and fire. What other symbols of the Holy Spirit are there? There are others. Can anyone think of any other symbols of the Holy Spirit? Dove? Yep. Any others? Water? Any others? I've got two more. Breath. I haven't got that here, but that's part of the wind, isn't it? Any others? Two more. Anointing. What do we? Oil. Anointing. Thank you. And I've also got cloud and light. And cloud, I thought, when I was preparing this, oh, that's strange, but actually, in some of the more old fa- uh, traditional, slightly older language versions of the Bible, it's, it talks about the Spirit coming upon the Virgin Mary and overshadowing her, which is the Spirit of God. And that was one of the most ultimately amazing miracles, wasn't it, that, that God actually um, created Jesus in Mary uh, in, immaculately in a supernatural way. So we've got those symbols. So that's what the Holy Spirit is like. And he has intellect. Uh, He has emotion. And he has a will. And by a will, I don't mean a piece of paper that tells you what you're going to leave your money to when you die. I mean all of God's characteristics, his holy characteristics, all in one, all all in the work of the Spirit. So it leads us on to the third question. And this is really what we've been looking at this morning, isn't it, in in a really powerful way, as to what the Holy Spirit does. What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, we've said that the Holy Spirit lives inside us, in those who believe in Jesus, in order to produce God's character in us. And he builds into our lives all of the following. And you'll find this in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, and they're called the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. How many of us here think that we're all of those things all of the time? No hands. Um... Here's the thing, isn't it, that the Holy Spirit, rather than us trying our hardest to be all of these things, God says that we are to rely upon him through his Spirit to produce all of these qualities in our lives, which is why we're told to walk in the Spirit and why we're told to be filled with the Spirit. And you can see a glimpse of how that affected the disciples in the story. Right at the very end of the passage, just after the end that uh, Tom read for us, it says that all of the believers were together, they had everything in common, they were selling their possessions and good, they gave to everyone that he had, as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together, broke bread in their homes and were glad and praising God and so on. So God would, had come upon them by his spirit and was uh, fulfilling his promise and giving him all of the qualities so that that enabled them to be as they were to each other. So, what else does the Spirit do, apart from giving us God's character in us? It also, he also teaches us. He reveals God's will through God's, and God's truth to us as Christians. Remember when uh, Jesus was walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus after he died and risen again, and they came back and they reported, didn't they, how 
their hearts had been burning within them as he was talking to them and opening up the scriptures to them. And that was Jesus with them, but that was his spirit because his spirit was with them and, and uh, he was warming their hearts. It's a really good way to, to think about how the, the head knowledge comes into our hearts, into our lives through the spirit, teaching us about God, making it real. And finally, as to what he does, I've picked out that the Holy Spirit works in people who don't yet know him. And that's one of the most important things, isn't it, that we spread the gospel of Christ to those who don't know him yet. And that's what was going on at Pentecost in the story today in a really dramatic way, in a way that saw many, many people come to Christ for the first time. He actually convicts people or convinces people, brings them to an understanding of certain things. And so... The Holy Spirit tugs on people's hearts and minds. It pulls at them, bringing them to repentance and causing them to turn away from what they've done in their old life and turning to God and asking to forgive for forgiveness. I mean, look at the reaction of those who were listening to Peter. Uh, Peter had, had stood up and he was explaining to the crowd that really what the crowd were responsible for is that collectively, it's a difficult thing to say, but they, that they've just killed God. That's what Jesus was explaining to them, that they'd just killed God. And yet God had raised him to life. And, and it says in the, in the story that they were cut to the heart. And that's uh, only the Spirit doing that to actually convict them and to challenge them and to say, uh, to, to, to cut their hearts, which is a strange thing to think about, but goes right in there, doesn't it? And that's the reaction that the Spirit um, can generate in people who don't know him when he touches them and when he... Uh, convicts them of their need of him. So, what I would say in conclusion to all of this is, don't be scared of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Don't fall into a trap of thinking that it's just a part of the Christian life that isn't for you, uh, it's not really for you, all this Holy Spirit thing. It's an essential part of being a Christian. Your Christianity, your belief in Christ depends upon you inviting him in. And he wants to live and work in and through you. He's the fuel of a Christian's life. Uh, The very life, breath, fire, oil, air and light of God himself. Perfect in every way and ready to fire you into life.